I'm OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. guys and welcome to the latest edition of the Double Clutch Podcast. I am Joe Holbert, hosting for the first time in a while, and I am joined once again by Mike Miller. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> I've had that in my bag for weeks trying to get some trying to get that used, but hello. <laughs> Uh, how's it going? I enjoyed the clip. Uh, I, I I bet that threw you. Uh, no, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, can't wait for the season to start. It is so close now. My palms are sweating, just the prospect of meaningful NBA basketball. Indeed, at the time of recording, eight days. Eight days until the season. Have you have you um have you been watching much of summer league? Summer league. Um, no, sorry, pre-season, pre-season. Not summer league. I've I've caught bits of it. I've tried. I've I've watched more condensed than I have um, full games, uh, and I've gone around and watched guys and teams I wouldn't normally sort of follow. Uh, and that's mainly because I'm trying to scout out who my league pass teams are going to be for this year. Um, and there's some pretty obvious ones. I've I'm, I'm watching Phoenix. DeAndre Ayton looks pretty. Pretty solid. Um, uh, other than that, I've just kind of been catching up with the big, well, not the big storylines, but like JJ Reddick's perfect game. Uh, made sure I caught that. But at the same time, I can't really place a lot of weight to anything that happens because they're playing NBL teams a lot of the time. And that's all great for the growth of the game globally, but it's not really a test for the NBA teams, I don't think. No, and I think even in the internal NBA ones, I think teams are starting to get their schemes out there. But I, I don't think the defences really give everything. No. I think the rookies do. I mean, I've been watching a lot of um, of Trey Young and Jaron Jackson. They're both uh, giving their everything. But that's because they're trying to make an impression. Guys who have been in the league for, you know, seven or eight years, so a lot of them don't need to make an impression in preseason. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been focusing on the rookies. I've, I've rounded up a couple of my uh, league pass teams. Dallas are definitely going to be one. They're near the top of mine, actually. It's a shame that the time start times aren't so great, but I'm definitely going to be watching a lot of their games on uh, on condensed the next day. But we're talking about a division today. To be honest, if I'm being brutally honest about this, I don't know how many of these teams are going to be high on people's league fast list, but there are still interesting things to talk about with each one. So this division last year was won by the Miami Heat, which when you consider the talent they have compared to Washington I think that surprised a lot of people we'll start with them um I've covered this team for three years I'm stopping this year I've I just want to move on to other teams it's done it for you now (laughs) it has yeah I mean I'll get into sort of why in a minute but what do you before we get into the specific what what are you making of this team sort of going into the year what are you expecting um so to be honest I'm not expecting much to be different from other years. I think that's one of the things with the Heat is that, uh, yes, they've obviously had massive changes in and out with the the Heatles era, but uh, generally they're quite a consistent team with not not sort of significant sways up and down the conference. Um, I just think we're just going to get more of the same. It's it's a Riley organization. Spo is a great coach. He gets the best out of the hand he's got. 
but overall i'm sort of i'm struggling to find positives with this team and one of the things i've got down is uh, I, I like the fact they've they've re-signed wayne ellington but if that's one of my positives that probably means there isn't a lot of positives um they can be a fun team to watch and they could well be a league pass team for me but that's about it yeah this is a i mean i so i for our season guide that will be coming out soon i wrote this preview and one of the questions we have to fill in is um, we have two best addition, best subtractions. My answer for best addition was no one. They signed no one. They drafted no one. Literally, they they signed like a couple of free agents from like you know third tier college programs. They didn't sign it. They re-signed Wayne Ellington. That was it. The only player of note they lost was Jordan Mickey, but he only played at the end of the season because of a couple of injuries. So in something that does not happen in sports, let alone American sports. They are rolling back the exact same roster for next season, and yeah, that worries me. This is uh, like whilst they've been consistent, the the bad for me is that stagnation. Like you say, no picks, no trades, no or limited free agency. They re-signed Haslam as well as Wade, and for me, like I like that from a, a nostalgic point of view. Like these are long-serving. Um, Team players, you know, you know, I appreciate that Wade's had a couple of seasons in Chicago and then whatever happened last year where he was part here in Cleveland. But um, on the whole, he's, he's well, it's Wade County, isn't it? But to me, it, it almost felt like this is where we should have seen that ruthless business time to, to move on sort of approach, which you would expect from someone like Riley. And for me, this this just sort of prolongs mediocrity. And they haven't moved forwards in any way. And I would actually start to question, however consistent he's been over the years, whether Riley started to lose his touch because they've not landed a significant free agent for a while now. No, I'm going to pick your brain about this in a minute, but a couple of sort of... I'm with you on the stagnation. I've got written down here the Heat roster. There's a lot of good players on there. There's no great players. They've got the highest payroll in the NBA. It's not it's not very close either. And you look at the other teams up there in the highest payroll. You've got the Warriors, you've got the Rockets, you've got the Raptors. To a lesser extent, you've got the Thunder and the Wizards. But they, they've they all got like at least one star. The Heat, I personally think their best player is Josh Richardson. If it's not Richardson, it's Goran Dragic. They're both good. Like I've, I've enjoyed watching, especially the growth of Richardson. They're not franchise changers. They're not guys who are going to go and... You know, put the team on their back in a postseason game. So, this is a question, and one of the questions I've got down for you is: This is the highest payroll in the NBA, as I've just mentioned. And you, you kind of answered this a minute ago when you spoke about Riley. But do you think Eric Spolstra's coaching and how good he is is kind of making this look better for Pat Riley than it actually is? Because I don't know any other coach who could get forty-eight. I think they got forty-eight wins. Last year, I don't know who else could do that with this roster. I think I think Spo, get, like I say, gets the best out of what he's got. They wouldn't be in this position without him. I think there are a couple of other coaches who could get them to the same sort of position or thereabouts. Um, but definitely, the reason some of these guys are getting paid is because uh, because of how Spo can utilize them and, and get the most out of them. If they went elsewhere, they wouldn't be anything like you mentioned. I say wouldn't be anything. They wouldn't be marquee players. You mentioned Dragic, and I'm just sat there thinking, on a championship team, where would he even sort of rank in terms of your options? And it's you're looking at third or fourth best. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, 
So one of the discussions on my timeline on Twitter the other day was who's the most average point guard in the NBA. The consensus was Jeff Teague, but Dragic was um, was floating around in my head. He's a good player, but if you look at how many good point guards are in the league, he's not a needle mover compared to some of them. And this is my biggest issue with this team in the sense that not only are a lot of these players only good, not great, I don't know who's really going to improve. I think... You look at Dragic and Whiteside, I think they are what they are. I see the same with James Johnson, Tyler Johnson, Waiters, even Richardson. He's a brilliant 3 and D player, but he's not, he doesn't project to me to be this guy who's really going to improve his offensive game. So so the, the, the one I look at is Bam Adebayo. Yeah, he's a very, very good defensive talent, but is he sort of going to be a guy who puts you up 15, 20 points per game? Because that's what this team lacked. This team was already a very good... They were top 10 in defensive efficiency last year. I I kind of worry about where the offense is going to come from. Yeah, I'm not sure Bam's your guy for, for getting 15 points a game. Um, I would say he's closer to the 8 to 10 mark, probably with a you know almost averaging a double-double, though, is his sort of ceiling. He could well be better than that, and fair play to him for, for years, because right now I would... I would be tempted to start him and his energy and his just approach over someone like Whiteside. Um, the the money they've got is just ridiculous. I mean, they, they have got the highest payroll, but they've still got Chris Bosch on the payroll, haven't they, somewhere along the line. So I wonder how much... Like It's just unfortunate they've tied up so much money in players like Whiteside and, and Tyler Johnson... Uh, even even like I, I'm not even sure that 12 million for Kelly Olynyk was a good deal. I think that's overpaying. They've still got players like Dion Waiters, and they're just they. It, it's weird. I, I feel that they've overpaid some mediocre players. Yeah, and that's absolutely what most Miami Heat fans would tell you as well. I mean, this was a team. You know, you remember not last year, the one before. They started 10 and 31. They went 31 and 10 and a half in the last half of the season. And Pat Riley really believed the roster could do better than that. I don't know why he thought a 31-10 and 10 run was sustainable going into another year. But I'm the, the thing I've got down is the good about it. The defense is very good. And it's the word I would use is stifling. This is a team that people do not... They don't want to play against the Miami Heat. They're, they're quite ugly at times. But they've got that. My issue with it is I don't think Whiteside fits with the rest of them. You look at guys like James Johnson, Justice Winslow, they're very switchable, which is what you're seeing from a lot of NBA wings. Hassan Whiteside cannot go out and defend on the perimeter. You can't switch him. He would he just gets well, that's why he got benched in so many games last year when teams went small. So I do I do worry about this team, but in terms of the ceiling I personally don't see them going much better than last year. Are you on that or do you I think, I think it's a low ceiling. I think they were the sixth seed last year. I think that's the maximum they'll get again this year if they if they, if they are able to achieve that. And like I say, where I don't see there being too much fluctuation in the Heat teams, uh, I, I think that is a realistic position they'll be in come April. Yeah, this is a team that I think... I mean, I'm very intrigued you called them a potential lead pass team because I, I reckon if you looked at sort of last year, especially at the start of the year, I, I would honestly guess they were one of the least watched teams. They probably are um, in terms of, of general viewership, but I, I like, I've got a, a soft spot for Justice Winslow. I like uh, James Johnson. I like Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson, I, I love just like his heart and energy. He's a bit, he's a bit TJ McConnelly for me. Um, 
so they're the kind of guys I like, those sort of blue-collar, just hustle their way through things, and that's why they'd be a league pass team for me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. They've got a lot of guys who are very easy to root. James Johnson's another one, I think. He's They've got a lot of very... They, I mean, this is a roster stacked with with sort of gritty players who have really worked hard to get where they are. And I'm, I'm with you. I think that's something that something that we underrate. Uh, before we move on to the next team, we can't really talk about the Miami Heat with addressing these Jimmy Butler rumours. You mentioned a minute ago that they haven't really made a big splash for a while. Um, Ray Allen was probably the last one they made. Yep. Unless you're counting Kelly Olenek as a, <laughs> as a big free agency <laughs> splash. Um how big would he be for this team? What does he do for the needle? Can he? So let's say the the deal's been floating around is something like you know Richardson and a pick for Butler. Do you think he moves the needle enough to put them contending with Celtics Raptors? No, I don't think he, I don't think he makes them a contender in the division uh, or in the conference even. I think that his presence will uh, just intensify. And already, as you mentioned, stifling defense. It will give them more small ball options. It will perhaps make it easier to shift someone like Whiteside out uh, because the Whiteside contract's getting looking uglier and uglier. Um, but the only way you're going to get, you're not going to get the same value single player back. And despite his inconsistencies, he is still a pretty impressive talent when he wants to be. Um, Butler, for me, will give them a better scorer. They struggle with scoring. Um, there's more of a t- sort of a team spread, but it would give them a... He's no three-point specialist, but someone who can put up 20, 23 points a game. Um, I think he would push them to a potential, maybe a four seed, but more likely a, a five seed, which doesn't sound like a big step considering I said their ceilings are six already. But when you look at the top of the East... Um, which we all agree is a weaker conference, that the Raptors, the Celtics and the 76ers seem to be streaks ahead of everyone else. And I don't think even Jimmy Butler is enough for me to think that uh, the Heat suddenly leapfrogged the Bucks, who are, who are the fourth seed for me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think he pushes them close. I think he pushes them actually maybe above Indiana, if not above them, like even with them. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't even think he pushes them above the Bucks personally. I mean, I've enjoyed him. He's a top 10 player, but I think for that team, I I don't think the offensive problems were necessarily lacking a player like him. I think they lacked outside shooting and playmaking rather than what he brings. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to see who wins the division. They won it last year. They're the second favourites this year, but the favourites are who we're going to go on to next, the Washington Wizards. My God, I, do you know what? <laughs> I feel really... I've got a very negative attitude towards this team, and I've been called out on it because they've got quite a good record over the last couple of years. Not only have they made the playoffs, they've won a couple of series. Um, where, talk to me about the good on this team because it's weird. A, a team with this much talent, I have so many bad things written down. But So let's neutralise this with you. What have you got for good? See, now I like your approach to the Wizards. I like the negativity you had for them, have for them because despite them having successful seasons to a degree, they have underachieved. They've never achieved their potential to me. So that is a disappointment. Um, I I already know your opinion on Scott Brooks, and I'm sure we're going to get into that in a little bit. But the good for me is, and I can't believe I'm saying this, and I'll caveat it in a minute. But the good for me, Dwight Howard for 5.6 million is a steal, considering he averaged over 16 and a half points and 12 and a half rebounds last season, and that's his highest points per game since he was an All Star about four or five years ago. 
that that's that's a massive addition to a team. Um, when we get onto the bad, I'm going to caveat that. But uh, and and then I still feel that Bradley Beal is somehow not being given the recognition he deserves as a talent in this league. I think he is just an incredible player, and not enough is is said about him. John Wall, when he wants to be, uh, when he's not getting uh, destroyed by who is it you you loved that destroyed him in the playoffs? Schroeder. There you Dennis go. Schroeder. When he's not being supplied, supplied uh, destroyed by Schroeder in the playoffs. Um, he he is when he's on his game, he's brilliant. He's just streaky, and I think that's that's one of the things with this team is that they just lack consistency. They've got actually a quite a, you know a decent core with Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, uh, even guys like uh, Morris. Uh, They've got a, a, a gritty core that can switch and play small ball and stuff. They just never achieve their potential. I'm so glad you said that because I sometimes think I'm harsh on them. But I, I think this team, the word I've got down, I haven't got badly coached. I think that's a little bit far. I've got undercoached. I think this team is capable of a lot more. I think the offensive scheme is very basic. I think if you go and watch, put it this way, if I put a team of if I just went to a basketball court in Bristol, I picked up five guys, <laughs> I would make them, and they'd never met each other, never played with each other, I would make them play the Wizards' offense. The high pick and roll, <laughs> the old floppy set, um, just, oh, God, no, not good. <laughs> so, so you have undercoached. I, I went one further and had poor coaching. Yeah, I could, I, certainly on the offensive end, I think this is a team that is very outdated, and something I've got written down is, I like I like Marquis Morris. I think he's okay. I think this team has a higher ceiling if they put him out of the lineup and put Kelly Oubre in. The net rating backs me up on that from last year. It was a net rating of six with Morris in with the big three and Marchand Gortat, who I think is a loss, by the way. It goes up to 14.5 with Kelly Oubre. So I think, I think for a team that doesn't really scheme a lot of their shots, I think having that small ball wing half decent perimeter player I think that helps them a lot but the issue with this team that I've got it's the lack of engagement sometimes you watch them it's not very analytical this especially John Wall if John Wall is not on the ball he does he just doesn't he doesn't move he doesn't even sort of move around the perimeter he would he genuinely I'm not exaggerating he just stands there and I think that is a problem when I talk about undercoach I think this is a team with a lot of bad habits and I don't think the addition of Austin Rivers and Dwight Howard, who have potential to be locker room problems, is going to help them a lot. I, th- I think that's one of the key things with this team, is that locker room. We've seen how tempestuous it was last season. That's the reason Gortat's gone. Um, Bradley Beal and Gortat sort of teamed up when Wall was out injured and, and made jabs at him or subtweeted him, however you want to put it. Um, and it seems odd then that they've gone for, and I've got him, I've, I've written down injecting a goofball into an already uh, dodgy locker room. And Dwight Howard for me is a goofball. And I wonder how long someone with a um, an attitude like John Wall, how long his patience is going to be with, with Howard, who seems to be, you know, for, for all his physical talents, he's never applied them to, to, to meet his full potential. It's, this team is all about missed potential for me. Um, and... And he seems okay with that. And he almost seems like joking like that. And that must be so frustrating for anyone who's ever played with him. And it's probably why he's jumped from team to team to team in recent years. I, I said at the start he was a steal at five and a half million. But he's already having... We're, we're already seeing a version of Dwight Harrods that's having, having back issues. And that, to me, is a, a red flag straight away. Um, 
He's 33. He's, he is what he is right now. And, and you're right, Gortat is a loss. And I'm not sure if, if Howard is significantly better than him. No, I mean I've I follow a couple of Wizards blood. They were really um they really went off Gorta and per and I never try and tell fans what they should think because obviously a Wizards fan is going to watch more Wizards games than I am and they're gonna watch them in more depth than I am and they're gonna watch them back them all the time. But Gorta for me is one of the best screensetters maybe certainly that I've seen and I've I've watched broadcasts where the commentators have said of all time. He is that good at setting screens. And this offense was based, it was really based on high pick and rolls. They got all of their looks on the perimeter out of him setting screens. I think that's a loss. Do you think Dwight Howard is going to show the same engagement doing that? I I, I mean, history would tell me no. I, I agree with history. I, I think that Dwight Howard has always struggled to accept a lesser role in a team. And I think that Gortat was able to facilitate uh, his, his role particularly well like he wasn't needed as a scorer when he did score as, as John Wall sort of jabbed back at him they were all sort of gimmies that, that John Wall just teed up for him within about two feet which is ideally what Dwight Howard wants to do um, but it'll be like I say it's interesting when the offense doesn't go through Howard to see how he reacts because Gortat knew his role he wasn't a star player he went out and executed it but I still, I still like. I understand why they did it because at five point six million, Howard is actually, you know, that's that's dirt cheap for a guy with his, um, his body of work. Yeah, he, he, I'm, I'm with you. I can understand why they got rid of Gortat. I think they wanted someone who can do more in the pick and roll. And this is where I like Howard. I do think he can be a better role man than Gortat was. My worry with Howard, and this is something that has concerned me. That guy has no post moves. I'm sorry, he hasn't. He just tries to overwhelm people, bully them to the basket. That worked in his prime, and it worked when he was surrounded by those shooters in Orlando, that four-out one-in that no one knew how to deal with. But teams have kind of wised up to him now. Teams care more about sort of um, defending the perimeter, and I, I just think I think switching has, has sort of ruined him a bit. But those post moves are mm -hmm. very, very bad. He was third in the league in post stats per game, I think it was Embiid and Towns higher. It was Embiid and someone. But those two were much more efficient than he was. He was in the 39th percentile, which is below average. My worry with him is this team already has a lot of players with poor tendencies. John Wall is the king of shooting pull-up jumpers, even though he's not a good shooter. Markeith Morris has dreadful shot selection. I think you add Dwight Howard into this. There are some people who do not take good shots. And then you've got Otto Porter, who's just like Mr. Efficiency standing in the corner. Yeah, um, this is going to be a, a really boring team to listen to because, I, I again, I, I agree. Uh, Howard never developed anything that uh, that he needed to. He relied on athleticism. Uh, he didn't develop his game. And the minute his athleticism waned, his value did. Um, he's still capable of putting up big numbers. He put, I think he had a 20-20 and 20 game last year. It was, it's, both rebounds and points were in the, somewhere in the low 20s. I can't remember exactly. Um but you know he makes statements this summer like he's gonna he's you know he's been focusing on working on his game to be a bit more like Anthony Davis and I sit there and go do you, do you see yourself like you can't make free throws why would you then step out to sort of twenty three twenty four foot and and start gunning threes and trying to handle the ball um, I <sighs> he's gonna get a lot of dunks this year from John Wall and he provides 
still provides a decent defensive presence. He averaged, I think it was about 1.6, 1.7 blocks last year, which is below his career average. I think at one point he was averaging almost three, but he can still get out there and and swat shots. Um, I just don't feel that he's the guy they need necessarily. But like I say, it's it's a cheap deal, and for that reason it's a positive. And if they don't like it, they're, they're done with it at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people are in agreement on the Wizards, and that makes it makes sense now to transition into the to the ceiling. Um, the ceiling for me is all dependent on whether Scott Brooks changes. I don't think he's going to. I don't a guy. I mean, the way he probably sees it, I'm winning games, so I don't need to change. But I think winning coach, the best coaches are the ones who can look at a winning team and go, right, how the hell can I improve this? So I think the ceiling personally is. Um, I think if it all goes right, I think if Howard stops with those post-ups, if Wall shows a little bit more engagement, this team can be the four seed. I, I think the talent. I think they're more talented than Milwaukee. I don't think they're better coached. <laughs> I've always got exactly the same line. This team has has got decent personnel. They could be the four seed. It's just that that is that is they do have the talent to do it. What do you think it takes for Brooks to get fired? Because I mean. Less if he was in the West, I think he'd get a little free pass because they go, oh, you're up against you know the Spurs and the the Nuggets competing for that AC. But there's literally for me there is no excuse for them not to be in the playoffs unless they you know get loads of injuries. I I think this might be the last season for him where if they if they are a low playoff seed, it, that's it. It, it times times up because. This this is a team in terms of backcourt. How where would you rank Wall and Beal amongst the backcourts in the league? Because there there are some really good backcourts, and and those two I think are right up there. Well, it's top. Well, Warriors are above them. Rockets are above them, and then I think honestly you can make a case that they're right there after that. Exactly. So how how long can you be mediocre with an easily top five uh, backcourt? It just doesn't. It, I I don't know. But at the same time, we're talking about the Wizards, and they've had Ernie Grunfeld in charge for for decades, who's just completely mismanaged the team in previous years and sort of lucked his way into certain players. Um, but at the same time, has, has assembled a roster that's paying Jan Mahimi like fourteen mil a year. It's just. It, I just. I think there is no better situation for Brooks to survive longer than being managed by Ernie Grunfeld. Yeah, I mean, Grunfeld took a long time to get rid of Wandy, Randy Whitman. And as much as I don't rate Brooks, he's he's better than Whitman. And to be yeah. honest, I think that's the only reason anyone views this reign as positive, because <laughs> they think, oh, he's done better than Randy Whitman. But that's it's not much of an achievement. The floor for this team, if this locker room is as crap as I think it's going to be, I genuinely could see them missing the playoffs. I think the offensive scheme is poor, I think... There's a lot of hotheads in there. Brooks doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who can manage a locker room like this. This is gonna there's gonna be a lot of arguments after losses, but they're in the East, so that talent could could carry them as it has for the last sort of ever since I've known this Wizards team. What do you have as their floor? They could absolutely miss the playoffs. I totally agree with that. Um, their over under is forty four point five. I am heavy on the under. I've got them at thirty eight which would be, uh, based on my rankings, would be a seven seed. Um, so although, they, by my books, they still make the playoffs, I they, they should be, they could be and should be a four seed. 
but it's this locker room until someone I just don't I don't think that Brooks is the kind of guy who can um contain it uh, and and focus it in, in like some other coaches can do I just can't see it lasting the minute they get on a losing streak Wall is so quick to speak up about anything the minute he does that Dwight's going to shoot some goofball comment about you know it doesn't really matter and then there's going to be some you know brawl in the locker room or something like that I could see it going down that road yeah I think they need the uh, calm and influence of Otto Porter <laughs> guy yeah. I feel very sorry for I think he'd be optimised more on other teams yep. um, so we we just spoke about a frustrating team now we're going to go on to to a team that actually I think have frustrated other people in sort of in different ways the Wizards the Charlotte Hornets new coach Steve Clifford is gone one of my I don't know why I rate him I just really do I think he's a good coach they've replaced him with James Borrego first full time gig he had a very short spell in charge of the magic when they fired Scott Skiles. No Dwight Howard, as we just spoke about. Cody Zeller's going to go into the starting lineup. Mike, where are you at with the good? Because I've only got one name written down. Okay, so the good for me, and this is where we sort of, is, you know, this is a barren, <laughs> another barren example of a team. They've got the All-Star game in February after that horrible situ- situation two years ago. So that's the good for me. There's not a lot more, to be honest. I like the Parker pickup, despite the fact it looks so messed up to see Tony Parker in a uniform that isn't black and silver. I just think that someone like him, with his his experience, uh, can actually really help someone like Kemba get to another level. And perhaps it, Kemba sort of seems to be Kemba Walker seems to be at his this is what he is sort of stage. We know what he is. We He's not going to do anything else really to surprise us. He's very good. He's probably not a franchise player who can lead you to, well, he hasn't been able to thus far, lead them further than, I think he's gotten them to the first round of the playoffs once, maybe maybe more than once. Um, so maybe he can accept through Tony Parker, who's played with guys like Tim Duncan uh, and has taken on a secondary role. Maybe he can he can learn how to do that. So whether it's at Charlotte or elsewhere, he knows how to transition from being a, a from a one to a one A kind of player. Yeah, Kemba Walker is. I, I'm with you on Kemba. This is the I've got written down. This is the year where we learn the most about him. I think one of the things I liked about Steve Clifford is offensive scheme was very good. They didn't use a lot of isolation ball. But that's that system was built around one thing: optimizing the hell out of Kemba Walker. They had a lot of different pick and roll looks from pretty much every spot outside the paint. They had a lot of off-the-ball movement to help him. He's a very intelligent player. The thing I like about Kem is he, I don't think he takes bad shots. I don't know whether that was because of Clifford's scheme or because of him. I'd, I like to think it's a little bit of both. I think this is a very good player. The issue I've got with this team, the supporting cast is near enough the same as it has, is last year. They've drafted Miles Bridges. Dwight Howard's gone. Cody Zeller's into the starting lineup. As far as I'm concerned, that is an upgrade. I think he's, I think he's a lot. He moves better than Howard does. But this is a team that I'm finding it hard to gauge. So I don't know if you remember, going into last year, a lot of people had them, as I, I may have myself, as a low seed. It didn't happen, as we know that. But the question I'm going to pose to you is, can they do it this year? Because it's near enough the same roster. But do you think Borrego will have that impact? What what will it take for them to push in 7 and 8? I'm... Not sure they will. We seem to. I've, the past couple of seasons, we seem to have had an early Hornets run where everyone suddenly goes, 
oh, actually, this team's really good. And they never seem to maintain it past December time. And they sort of drop right back down. Similarly to you, I, I and similarly to the Wizards, actually, I can't help but feel that this is, again, a roster full of, of could-have-been players who failed to meet their potential. I think it's still too early to judge guys like Malik Monk, but people like Kaminsky, MKG, I'm I'm sort of ready to, to say this, that you are not what you could have been. Um, they... They, for me, they, they, the ceiling is a low playoff ceiling. That is a good year for them. They could do it. They could pull together, um, but I'm just I'm not convinced now. They, they've stung me the past two seasons, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> they they're obviously MJ's the owner. He's not been happy. They got rid of Rich Cho, and whilst I don't think he was particularly bad, he's probably kept around for too long. I don't like that they've replaced him with Mitch Kupchak and Buzz Peterson, who was Jordan's college roommate. Uh, we saw what Cupchak did in LA. I, I'm not a big fan of that at all. Uh, for me, this team has the potential, if they go the other way, to be wallowing around sort of the 13th position in the in the conference and struggling to win 28 games. Uh, overall, though, I the, the Vegas over under is 35.5. I have them at an over at 37. I think they can sneak the eighth seed. Yeah, I think this is the first one we. Um that we're going to differ on. I do think Borrego's going to make an impact, especially defensively. Someone I'll get into when we get onto the Magic. Steve Clifford's defensive scheme is a little bit outdated. Zone defense is almost dead. He still used it to protect the paint. The problem is, a lot of teams don't care about attacking the paint anymore. The Warriors don't drive, so people are trying to emulate them. So his defensive scheme was outdated. I do think this roster can be a top-half defense, and I think it can get back to that, which is what it was at the start of the Clifford era. But I just don't see, outside of Kemba, I, I like Zeller. I don't think the supporting cast is enough. I think they're going to struggle uh, to generate efficient perimeter shots. And I'm with you on Kaminsky and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. My issue with this team, it's not necessarily been that they've drafted badly. I mean, Kaminsky and MKG, they're not terrible, but they're not franchise changers. You, you look at some of the guys who were taken around, so they took... They took Kaminsky over Turner. They took MKG over um, Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard. Like MKG's fine, but he doesn't... Again, I keep saying this, he does not move the needle. So my I've got them, actually, you mentioned the 13 seed. Well, 13, right? That's where I've got them. I've got the Nets, and I've got the Magic below them, as far as I know. I probably will move the Knicks down there, because the poor Zingis injury, but... What I'm getting at to you is I haven't got them close to the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think that's that's an absolutely fair point. I I don't know why I've I think they can do it. There's nothing. There's not particularly you know one specific reason why I think they can do it. Um, I just I, I, I just I think, think the ro- I think the roster I think the roster's okay. I think it is okay. It's, it's, but it's, it's like like it's better than the, it's better than the likes of the Knicks and the Nets. I mean Batum and. And Williams, they're they're okay role players. It's just a case of what Kemba Walker we see. I'm very he could make me look like an idiot. He <laughs> he he could. Um, it's Kemba's in his prime now. He's sort of 27, 28, putting up twenty two points a game. This is this is his team. He really needs to take the next step. But then, how far can you go with only with only one main guy? Um, you know, no one can do it with a, with a single star anymore, and there's just no one else there. To, to support him like Batum great but 
never more than a role player, really. A good role player. Marvin Williams peaked a couple of years ago and has not been close since. MKG, um, fantastic defensive player, but that's it. And they need to be able to score the ball with more than one person. Um, and Kaminsky, I'm, I'm kind of out on Kaminsky. I just... I just don't think he's cut out for this game. Yeah, he can he can stretch the floor and shoot threes, but he's lacking in athleticism and mobility and, and physical presence and, and basically anything you want from someone who can remotely be a rim, a rim protector. To me, he just feels kind of like a a guy who can just... You can just stick out there to draw a big man out and create more driving uh, angles and that that's not going to cut it if you can't do anything else for me. Yeah, his uh, interior defense is terrible. So is his rebounding. This is a guy. He was a very good college player, which is pretty much college the only player reason of the he... year. I think. Yeah, that that was why he got taken in the lottery. I mean, his critics at the time were saying this is you. You would probably remember uh, Adam Morrison. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's the name that everyone always brings up to me when I overhype uh, Trey Young. But. Um, <laughs> But this is, yeah, this is a strange, strange roster. They didn't really do much to it. They brought back Bismack Biombo, which, uh, okay, like, that doesn't really do much for me. This is a team, again, with quite a high payroll. And the question is, when Jordan, when will Michael Jordan pull the plug on this? Because this is a team, he's invested money into it. And, you know, to the fact that we're looking at this roster and thinking, oh, they might be... They might be a six seed. Sorry, they might be a seven or an eight seed, and that's that's a good season for them. That kind of concerns me because you would have thought with all the lottery picks they've had that a couple of years down the line they could maybe aspire to better than that. Yeah, no, I agree. They've like I say, they're they're a team that again, like the Wizards, never met their potential. They they had a lot of good young guys. I think M- the biggest disappointment for me, I'm going to bring it back to him, is MKG. I I was so high on him. Usually, guys in the league can't play defense and have to learn that later on, and and that's that's kind of harder to get because defense is so is, is so instinctive. He had that right from the off, and it was just a case of could he add the offensive side to his game. And we've seen like subsequently, we've seen guys like Kawhi do it, and I'm not saying he would have been anywhere near the same level of player as Kawhi became, but it just shocks me that he's never been able to sort it. I thought he was going to sort it when he was working out with uh, Mark Price, but you know, it just hasn't it just happen, happens and it just that's the most frustrating thing on this roster for me. Yeah, they're certainly they're not high on my league pass list. So we've done the overs and unders and we're going to I think that makes sense now to transition into the team where their old coach went. So the Orlando Magic I, for some reason, I think I always thought they finished last in this division, but they didn't. They finished second last. So, yeah, the Magic have overgone a lot of a lot of overhauling in the last couple of years. John Hammond replaced Rob Hennigan. His era came to an end. I don't know if you remember it, Mike. Do you remember when they released the, when he put that picture out and there was the whiteboard behind him yeah, with all the targets on it? That, I think we that, potted that night after it happened and all. Yeah. About it. It, oh dear, man, that summed up the Hennigan era. Uh, John Hammond, though. He's had a clear plan for me. Get some defense in. They drafted Jonathan Isaac. They signed Jonathan Simmons. Uh, they they drafted Mo Bamba in this draft. So I will get to you with the magic now. What are the good? Because actually, some people I've spoken to are quite big on this team this year. I've even had a couple of people 
putting them pushing into the well very close to the playoffs i don't see it myself do you um i don't, I don't see them getting to the playoffs no um but i am quietly excited for them i think th- this is another team that could be a league pass team for me um it really just depends what sort of style of, of basketball you want to watch. I, I've I, Jonathan Isaacs is be, is becoming a, a defensive force, and I think that the pairing of him and uh, Mo Bamba in preseason has looked well. I, Mo, Mo Bamba in preseason has looked very good, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing those two guys play together. I, I think that Bamba's not shying away from competition. I didn't expect to see him stepping out and, and hitting threes, which he's done a couple of times. That is a a, a good sign for me, given that the size of his wingspan and just his entire length. Um, but there's, I still don't see there being an elite scorer on this roster. So I, I still see them having difficulties. But like I said before, this, the defense is there. That's a foundation they can build from. Yeah, they've. that's what Hammond's got in on. That's what he did in Milwaukee. He signed defensive players. Uh, Milwaukee designed that switch-everything defense under Sean Sweeney and Jason Kidd that they've actually moved away from now because it was a little bit too far. But I think John Hammond, that's what he believes in. He believes in having a team of five people who can defend, if not one through four, one through five. I think that's really what he believes in. Mm-hmm. My question with this trio, so his first two picks were Isaac and Bamba. I like them both as prospects. I wanted Isaac at the Timberwolves. Bamba, I think I said on the pod, his ceiling was Rudy Gobert with a three-point shot, which is a very scary prospect. Mm-hmm. My worry is where Aaron Gordon fits with those two. So this is actually the topic of my um, piece for the season guide. I've looked at it, and a comparison I've made that I really thought a lot about. Do you remember the Detroit Pistons from a couple of years ago when they had they had Greg Monroe, then they drafted Andre Drummond, and then they signed Josh Smith? Yeah, and then Monroe started wallowing on the bench and was moved on. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of it was because the offense was just awful when all three of them were on. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm Gordon is more talented than any of those three on Detroit. My worry for this team is, is long term, can these three share the court at the same time? And I think that is the toughest question Steve Cliff will have to answer. So, I really like Isaac as a defender. His offensive game at the moment is, I mean, it's, he hasn't got one offensive skill. He's not a good outside shooter. He doesn't make plays. It's not a great offensive rebounder. Bamba, yet those threes are going to be important. Aaron Gordon, so his perimeter shooting percentage last year was 33%, which, I mean, you'd look at that number and think that's not great. But the interesting thing about Gordon is he shot shot 40% on spot-up threes. This is open and contested. He shot 22% on pull-up threes. So I think this is a guy who can be a spot-up three, maybe even a spot-up four. My worry with this roster is they do not have one good guard. I don't know if you remember, but during the off-season, the Magic, you know, NBA teams get bored of stuff to tweet about. They tweeted a picture with the ha- with the uh, caption, Dimes. I-, I don't know if you remember this, no. but basically, yeah, they tweeted something. They tweeted Dimes, and it was a it was a graphic saying, leading assister for the Orlando Magic, Shelvin Mack. That's how many assists he had per game. Per game. Uh, let's go 5.6. Lower. It was 3.8. Oh, come <laughs> it on, just man. Got, it, got, <laughs> it got mean to death. The ratio on that thing was hilarious. 3.8? <laughs> wow. Yeah, th- they decided to tweet that. Like, it was... Uh, 
well, Shel- Shelvin Mack is better than I was, but to a team that's not seen the teammate, to a fan base not seen the teammate the playoffs for six or seven years, that is not what you want to be tweeting. My worry is they did absolutely nothing to try and solve this guard problem. Uh, they've got Jerry and Grant, cool. He, he's not going to do anything. DJ Augustine is still their point guard. I, I like him as a backup. I don't think he's a starter. So my worry is, and where I'm getting at now, I think this trio can work. I think it needs a much better guard than what they've got. It needs someone who can make plays for all of them. But Mobamba shooting those threes has changed my mind. I've got to say, I've been very impressed with that. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, but I, I, I agree with... I've got it written down as well. As good as he is, um, as Gordon is, I don't know how he fits with the team long term. He, for me... He tried to play the three last year because ideally you'd want all three of them on the court at the same time, which would be, you know, an abomination in my head right now. Because um, he tried to play the three last year, failed miserably. Um, not necessarily his fault, but for whatever reason, it didn't work. And I just look at the way this this team is gearing. And if we're looking at that switch all you can defense, then I'm not sure he particularly fits in with that. Um Someone you you mentioned, I think someone like Jerian Grant um, does actually fit in with that, with the switch everything. He's got the length, he's got the mobility. He, you know, he, he isn't a needle mover on offense by any stretch. But if if this if the identity this team's going for is a is a we can take anything and switch it defense, then he for me is a, a key guy for being able to to help them achieve that. Um, there's just a glut of big guys on this team as well, like. You've got Mozgov in there and Vucevic, and it's just like, how many how many bigs do you need? I was going to say that with Vucevic, we've not even mentioned him. He's arguably the best player. He's certainly the best offensive player. That's another piece who just, I mean, I you know some something when I was discussing this with people, a lot of them said, why do you have to play Isaac Gordon and Bamba at the same time? And my answer was because you drafted two of them in the top six, well, two of them in the sixth pick, and you've just paid one eighty million. I mean, if if you're not planning on getting that all to work together, then I think it's it, it's a bit of a wasted couple of picks. But it begs the question, when you're drafting, do you draft for need or do you draft best player available? I personally, again, I'm going to play the diplomat. I like a mix. Obviously, if you've got three centres, you don't draft another centre in the top five. But this roster, it's got potential. I like Bamba and Isaac. I just don't know where they fit with Gordon and Vucevic. And see, see, for me, I think Vucevic is is already being talked about in trades, and he'll be one of the first to be shifted. But they missed their their sort of high point on his on selling him, which was around New Year last year, because they had a pretty good start to the season last year, and people yeah. actually got really excited. And it was largely led by Vucevic, but and he was get, hitting threes as well. Exactly. So he, for me. It was quite clear. I said on the pod at the time it wasn't sustainable and talked to me again in two months' time. They should have traded him then because now they're stuck with this this glut of big men and that there is just too many players to share the minutes effectively. So there's got to be some trades on the horizon. So I wouldn't be surprised if Vucevic goes. Um, and although he's been re-signed so he can't be traded for a while, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that Gordon's there this time next year if... if if this this Mobamba experiment uh, and Isaacs starts working, then then he's the guy who's going to be surplus. Despite the fact he is the better overall talent and much more exciting. To, well, I say much more exciting. He is an incredibly exciting player to watch, and probably is more exciting than those two guys to watch. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he's the guy that's that shifted. Yeah, and I think a lot of the value with Isaac and Bamba is that rookie contract. It gives yep. you a lot of flexibility to go after, like Sixers have done with uh, JJ Reddick, to go after these short-term um, front-loaded contracts uh, to give people, you know, to get to compete, basically. And I think I think John Hammond, he's obviously going for the idea. So a lot of teams are trying to copy the Warriors' perimeter shooting. I'm very much in the belief that's stupid because no one can ever match them for the perimeter shooting. He's obviously... Two he's of the greatest some... shooters of all time is needed for that. <laughs> yes, exactly. In fact, maybe so, even three of them. Three of the greatest shooters we'll go with. Yeah, and then you need a small ball centre who's, like I think, green is 6'9". So teams are... What I like about what Hammond is doing, he's trying to go in a different direction. But in terms of the ceiling for this season, because obviously we can't... I don't have a crystal ball... I've, I think they're going to be in a good place in a couple of years. This season, though, I I just don't see them getting more than 25 wins. I really don't. I think the guard play... I like Fournier and Simmons as off-the-ball threats. What, what, in fact, let me put this another way. If this team had a half-decent point guard, if they had a Jeff Teague or a, or a Goran Dragic who we messed earlier, this is a, actually a pretty good team. They've got a lot of good players but I, I don't think they've got any playmakers on this team I think Fournier and Simmons do their best work on the perimeter so I think this team is going to really struggle offensively but I think they're going to have a lot of highlight plays from Mo Bamba what about you what's your uh, ceiling so, so the over under is 31.5 I'm I'm a heavy under again at 27 which by my rankings would have them uh 12th in the conference um they're, I think they're a definite league pass watch. I think they're going to shock some teams and perhaps even themselves, but nowhere near enough to get into the playoffs. I think I, I think it's a low ceiling high... Well, I say high floor. I said the 12th seed. That's my floor for them. I think maybe they get to an 11th uh, or 10th in the conference if everything goes in their favour. But I think this is a building block season and that a couple of years' time, if this if this core of, of Isaacs and Bamba is, is kept together, then we're talking about an entirely different... Uh, situation. I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said Vucevic gets uh, if Vucevic gets traded, they're going to be get trying to get a playmaker back of some description, and that could change things, but just not 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 soon enough for it to be impactful this season. No, I'm with you on that. I think things can go right. As I've said, I like Steve Clifford. We didn't yep. we didn't get to talk about him, but I think he's a good coach. I think the issue with him is that I don't think his defensive strategy really fits you know a defense primarily designed to uh, to protect the paint it's not it's not what you want to protect 2018 but the thing i like about him somebody was very good at in charlotte he's very good at drawing up perimeter looks for his bigs so i think we're going to know very early if this mo bamba thing is legit because if steve clifford is drawing up threes for him that he wouldn't yeah steve clifford's notorious for not putting rookies in special spots early on so Mm -hmm. i think if bamba keeps taking those threes I mean, I've I've seen. I think he's hit three. I've watched all of them. The form looks really good. If that form is good, I think that can over that can compensate for the lack of guard play. But ultimately, I just I can't see them being any better than sort of you know twenty seven, twenty eight. I've got them at twenty five. I've actually got them last in the East. I would probably, to be honest, move them up to fourteen now and put the Nets last. But I've my floor for this team is the worst team in the league. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a pretty uh, plausible floor. Floor, sorry. Um, yeah, no, I, I I I don't have any issues with that at all. It's going to be like I say, though, it's going to be interesting to watch, and I think they've got a couple of pieces there 
which hopefully they can build upon. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see how that offense looks because obviously they can't run the high PNL without guards. So I'm interested to see where they generate it from. And we're going to go to a team with no guard play to a team that decided to draft two guards in the first round. Hopefully it goes better than when my Minnesota Timberwolves did it back in 2009. They actually drafted three. Uh, that's, uh, I don't know why John, I've mentioned that. Johnny that. Flynn? Is that that? John, Johnny Flynn, Ricky Rubio and Ty Lawson. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, not all of them over Steph Curry, not good. But let's go to the Atlanta Hawks, who decided to trade Luka Doncic. Sorry, they decided to trade down to five and pick up another first-round pick with the Dallas Mavericks. So the Mavericks moved up to select Luka Doncic, and they took Trey Young, and they'll probably get a sort of mid-round pick next year, depending on how the Mavericks do. So Trey Young, I am excited for this guy. I'm excited for John Collins. What have you got as the good on this team? Uh, the good for me is they can't get any worse than last year, uh, <laughs> where they only won 24 games, really, and finished bottom of the pile. Uh, I think Trey Young has a very high ceiling. I don't necessarily think he's going to make it to, to where his ceiling says he, he could be, um, but he's shown flashes of potential already in the preseason. I think um, John Collins looks better. Uh, I just don't think this team has a lot of talent and I think that's reflected in the fact they were they were bottom last year. I don't think it's something that is going to change overnight. Um, and I think if you're relying on rookies to turn a franchise around, you need one heck of a rookie. And I'm not sure that the rookies they've got are, are that good. I, I don't think any of the either of them are sort of capable of coming in and, and carrying a franchise from day one. No, and I will say one thing. I don't think any of the rookies in this draft class were as great. I mean, I've got... So my my big board, I had Jaron Jackson top, Luka Doncic second, and Trey Young third. And then I had a, a break down to Mo Bamba, I think. I think they're all very good. I don't think that the impact in year one is going to be as great as people would want. Young, I think his shooting numbers in college were... They were ridiculous. But that's not sustainable. He's going to be against tougher defences... I think he's going to have to create his own shot, especially on a team where he is he's going to be the guy from day one. They've got Jeremy Lin as well. I think that helps Trey Young a little bit. I think Lin is a capable capable point guard. He would have been someone that the Magic could have done with. But my, my take on Trey Young is I think he's going to be a better playmaker than a shooter early on. I, I would look at him to maybe shoot something like 35% from three this year. That would, for me, be a good season. But I'm very interested to see how he leads this offense because one thing they have got and something that I've got the good, they've got pretty good spacing. They've got shooters. They've got people like Baysmore, Prince, Benbury. They've got Deadman, who when I started watching him shooting threes, I thought it was a joke. I Because um, <laughs> I remember when he came for at San Antonio and Orlando, he looked like one of those sort of old-fashioned centers. So Deadman's going to help, but... We're going to see very early, I think, how good Trey Young is as a signal caller. Yeah, and the, and the good thing is he's going to have a lot of opportunity and a high usage rate that allows him to to make those mistakes uh, as a rookie, get them out of his system, and 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 get those reps under his belt. Um, in terms of the bad sort of things for me, Kent Bazemore is their highest salary, and that's kind of all you need to know as in terms of where this team is at the minute. Um. And then part of me thinks they might have given up already. 
and I don't know how well it will, it's going to come across in the in the locker room and things like that. But uh, the NBA crossover event uh, in London was in July. Yeah, I think it was uh, might have been August, early August maybe. Uh, John Collins was there, and he made a comment. Someone asked him, uh, "Are the Hawks going to make the playoffs this season?" And he replied, chuckled, and said, "Well, um, it is the East, so." And to me, that's just sort of accepting that this is a an inferior conference, and and that they're not even that good in it. And I wonder how far that that mentality reaches in the locker room. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Actually, that was someone I forgot to mention earlier with John Wall. I think one of the things about I'm not going to call what the Hawks are doing tanking, but one of the things about taking steps back to um, to sort of take a step forward is that when you're not winning, teams can develop very bad habits. And I think that's something that has played John Wall. I think is someone that has played Andrew Wiggins. You're not going to be held to account if you're a 21-win team perennially because if a coach is winning 21 games, it's hard for him to really be taken seriously in terms of holding people to account. You've got to be a very good leader. They've appointed Lloyd Pierce, who I've got to say was one of the lesser-known appointments. Mm -hmm. My understanding of him is he's a defensive guy. I think that's a good fit because I think this team will naturally create offense. My worry uh, with this team is is how they're going to use Young. I think if they're just going to throw him in the deep end and have him run everything, I I think it's going to go quite badly. I think he's going to develop bad habits. I think he's going to maybe lean too much on the pull-up jumper rather than making plays for others. I think Jeremy Lin will help in that. I think they've got someone else that... I'm not saying Lin's a star, but he can he can run an offense, I think. But the the ceiling for this team is actually what I've got them at. I've got them... So if you look at the over-under totals, theirs is the lowest, which I, I don't get. I don't think they're the worst team in the conference. I've got them probably higher than most. I've got them up at 11, the 11th ranking. I think this is a roster packed with spacing, and there's a couple of players I'm waiting for the jump. The floor, though, is, again, worst team in the league. Um, So they are under 23.5. I've got them over at 24. I still have them firmly at the bottom of, of, of the conference. Um, the ceiling for me is maybe maybe getting off there, but I don't see them getting higher than the bottom two. I think that they're going to be fun to watch at times, but that's not going to translate into Ws. I hope that they let you know Trey Young go nuts. Um, Lynn is there obviously as a as a backup and a steady hand as needed. I think the presence of Vince Carter is going to be understated. This is a guy with twenty years experience in the NBA, so. I think just having him in that locker room, uh, despite what I said about about um, their mentality, I think that having him in the locker room is going to be great for guys like Trey Young, who are going to need some guidance. They're going to have ups, they're going to have downs. At six two, one hundred eighty pounds, he's not exactly a you know physically in, imposing presence on the floor. So he's going to struggle in his first year. It's a massive jump from playing against college kids to NBA men. Um, floor for me is going to be maintaining last year's status of being the league's whipping boys it's going to be interesting to see what the bud effect was as well like how much is as coach bud leaving going to detract from this this team because we've we've said before on here that bud's a great coach he can coach teams to be play above their potential so now if you remove him from the situation will there be an element of regression yeah, that's my worry with guys like Tory and Prince. I think the Budden Holzer Popovich system 
really I think it gets a lot out of perimeter shooters and these sort of swing men as they're called. I I do question sort of yeah, I'm with you. I think he's a fantastic coach. My the the main worry I've got for this team is is how well did he coach them last year? So this is my team that I'll be. So it's been the Heat for the last three years. It will be the Hawks from now on. So much I love Trey Young, but I've watched. I was going to say I've you watched, must really love him to put yourself through eighty-two Hawk games. Oh, I'm I'm looking forward. To, yeah, I I'm huge <laughs> on him, but I've watched most of their games back from last year because I do it on my days off. This was this team was really well coached. They had no talent for most of the year. I mean, seriously, their best player was Dennis Schroeder. And he just didn't—he didn't make plays for others. He only made them for himself. I think Boonholzer did a good job. I think John Collins is the guy I'm looking at. But again, I do wonder how much that Boonholzer system last year maybe made some of these players look to have a higher ceiling and floor than they actually do. So, yeah, I think this is a team that I don't think they're going to do much in the present. What kind of timeline do you think they're on? So the main building blocks you've got Young, Collins, Kevin Herter, who we've not mentioned. You know what? Do you think they're going to take longer to get good than the Magic? That's a good one. I, I think they probably are because I think the, the Magic have guys like uh, Fournier and people like that who are already, you know, they're they're established vets of a certain caliber. And I kind of look through the the Hawks roster and I don't see them having any of them. I mentioned Vince Carter earlier, but 20 years in the league, he's clearly not a player who's in his prime by any stretch of the imagination. And then everyone else they've got are a sort of rookies one year, two year. You've got, you know, Lynn at eight years, but he, what for those six to eight weeks was insane and or Lynn sane, if you will. Uh, but then has just been sort of middle of the road and there's no, there's no one else there that really sort of pushes it for me. Like I'd, I'd rather have uh, Evan Fournier than someone like Baysmore and things like that. I just think there's there's more pieces already in Orlando than there is in, in Atlanta. Uh, it's not a free agent destination by any stretch of the imagination. So unless they can initiate some, some huge trades, I think their time, timeline for, for being good again is, is longer than the Magic's. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I don't think they need to go big in free agency in the future, but I think they, when they've maybe got a couple more young players, if they're bad again, I think they need to start signing people who can just help them out a bit. I mean, I'm looking through this roster; they they're crying out for some for some outside shooting from the wing positions. I think they got it from the guards, but I just think they're lacking those. Better. I mean, you look at what the Suns have done this summer; they signed Ariza and Anderson. I think players like that could really maybe accelerate the timeline but to be honest I'm not sure the Hawks want that I think this was a team I mean if you if you looked up average NBA team in the dictionary you would find the Joe Johnson Atlanta Hawks on there I think they want to take a step back to take a step forward they went on I think they had one of the longest runs of being in the playoffs the Hawks now it was if it wasn't top it was top three it's the sort of 2000 so that doesn't surprise me no, because they, they always had like decent players. It wasn't just Johnson. They had uh, Paul Millsap, Al Horford, Josh Smith. I think they Ooh. went like 13, 14 years straight being in the playoffs. And they had that one season, what, three, four years back now, where they had, was it 62 they got to? They yeah, incredible yeah, they season. were the one seed. Yeah, yeah without, without having a standout marquee franchise player. But that just seems like light years ago now. 
Yeah, God, that was... God, that really has flown by being on this podcast. <laughs> One last question about the Hawks. I'm guessing... I'm guessing they're not going to be on your league pass list like they are on mine. They're, they're not on it like they are on yours, but I am going to keep an eye out on uh, the Collins-Young um, link because they've already had some nice highlights and I want to see how those guys develop. And actually, just from him being over here, John Collins seems like actually a really genuine kind of cool guy and having having heard him speak and things like that, it's, I want to follow him from that perspective because I actually just think he's a a nice guy if that makes sense i'm not just following him because he's a, a ball player it's like i genuinely seems like a, a nice dude yeah his interview with friend of the podcast mo moonsey was very 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 good i very much enjoyed that um that's the end of this podcast so we've got two more to come after this i believe it's the central and the south southwest divisions i think i'll be on at least one of them if not two of them Matt Matt Wellington, Mike will attest to this, has been working his working his ass off on the uh, season guide. So that will hopefully be out soon. Have you put a feature in that one, Mike? I don't have a feature in that this year because I had a slightly busy summer. Um, but I've got a couple of previews in there. Uh, but Matt has been working like a dog on it. He's basically been... Um, you see all these NBA stars putting up their off-season workout videos... He's been doing the uh, the writing and uh, design equivalent of that in DCHQ. It's going to be a great product when he's finished. We have put a lot of times into that. As for the site, I will be I'll be writing an article soon on why I fit. It's actually on the Hawks. It will be on why I'm covering them this year, what to look out for, what I'm excited about. Anything else you want to add, Mike, before we finish? Yeah, so um, since the last pod, I think we've had uh, LBTV have released the first episode of our triple-double show. Um, so you can go check that out. If you go to doubleclutch.uk, there's a, you click on LBTV, um, which is FIBA Media's live basketball television, it stands for. So you can go check out episode one of that, featuring myself, Nick Whitfield, uh, and friend of the show, Sammy the Benchwarmer Gunnell. The second episode will be out later this week. Um, so yeah check it out let us know what you think that's good I'll definitely be checking that out and keep checking out the site but it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Mike